Welcome, wrestling fans, to the latest episode of the Wrestling Time Machine Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Bobby Fisher, and on the line with me, as always, is my co-host, Leith Gray. Hello. Hello, and we are joined tonight by a very special guest, Mr. Nick Bartley of the Hasbro, the, the WWF Hasbro figure retrospective book. Hey, how are you? Hey. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely. We're, we're always happy to, to have guests. Yes, this is the wrestling figure retrospective project uh, that you've been a, you're a part of. And this, uh, we've been, we've been following each other on Twitter for a little while, and this is something that's been really cool getting to see, you know, and learn about all these old, uh, what were they, maybe four inch figures? Yeah, yeah, four inch, yep, correct. Uh, that has been the most fun, the, the most enjoyable part of the process was seeing things that I never, I never knew. That has been the, you're, you're correct. It's been awesome. Yeah, I mean, there. I uh, as someone who's always been like a toy collector and everything, when you get to sort of peek behind the curtain and see things like concept art and things that really never made it to production, that's always fascinating. Yes, uh, I agree. And, and I'm really looking forward to this book, and we're gonna we're gonna talk more about that here uh, in a, in just a couple minutes. But let's get to talk. Uh, let's get to talking about you, Nick, and let's get to know you because you're our guest. Welcome to the Wrestling Time Machine. <laughs> Thanks, I appreciate it. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. We're we're glad to have you, and we're glad we could uh, get you on. And uh, let's get to know you a little bit. How did you get into professional wrestling as a fan? Wow. Um, actually, it was the toys. Really? Uh, I remember, well, I mean, not that I necessarily could recall, uh, but whenever I was like two, I remember my mom would get me the LJN figures. Okay. Uh, I have a ton of them then, um, and that for the, just to see the different colors and characters, <laughs> and, you know, I knew they were wrestlers. You know, I knew I liked it, but you know, as a really, really small child, it was you know hard to sit and watch an entire wrestling show. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, yeah. And uh, the LJN figures were kind of like perfect for really small kids because yeah. they're they're <laughs> giant. They're like fourteen inches and made of just like one solid piece of rubber. Yeah, they're indestructible. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you can shoot them with a shotgun, and they will come back like the Terminator. It's it's yeah. unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's the perfect teething product for a toddler. <laughs> yeah. Yep, yep. You don't see uh, a lot of them with all their paint intact. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, that, it's weird. It was kind of reversed for me. Toys got me into wrestling. But, I mean, I was Hulk Hogan whenever I was two for Halloween. Oh, uh, it's adorable. Yeah, like, so it was, I've always loved it. I've always loved impersonating the wrestlers. Um, that, like, that was, you know, there's old video of me. I'm probably, like, three years old, and I'm doing the Junkyard Dog, and I'm doing, <laughs> I mean, you know, voices and everything. It's just, it was, that, that's what I loved about it, the uh, the characters, you know? Yeah. So, uh, were your parents fans then? Is that where they like decided to get you the figures in the first place? No, not at all. My 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 parents still don't like wrestling. <laughs> that was but, so funny. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I picked it out. That you know what? That is a good question. I should ask my mother that question. I should ask her why she ever bought me my very first wrestler. Yeah, it's it's really uh, it, it's really kind of funny because I think 
I think uh, you and I kind of got into wrestling not uh, not in dissimilar ways because I can remember uh, the LJN figures kind of very early, but I, I distinctly remember the four inch, you know, the Hasbro figures. Yeah. And oh yeah. And really, I think like it, like it's so cool now that they're kind of making a comeback and we're seeing like the the reproduction ones and the new ones. Yeah, the uh, the Mattel, they're very very yeah. cool. I like them a lot. Yeah, I like. I want to see more of those. Like, I like the the big like collectible figures they do, like the the limited edition ones, or like the statues, or you even get like into the super detailed like figure arts figures. Oh yeah, absolutely. Which I'm convinced that they have some sort of form of witchcraft that allows <laughs> them to clone and shrink down actual people. Because <laughs> I know what you mean. I do. I saw a. Uh, I think it was. I think it was Randy Savage. I saw him in GameStop the other day, and I was like, yeah. "Wow, holy!" Like I had to, but it was like twenty four dollars. Yeah, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, and it's like the figure arts figures run even even more expensive. Those are typically like fifty, sixty dollar collectibles. Oh yeah! Wow! Yeah, yeah. See, that's too. That's I have very strict rules as far as collecting uh, for myself. I still do not have a complete Hasbro set. Um, I still do not have a complete LJN set. I, I'll only spend five bucks or so on a guy and I can't buy on eBay. I just, most of what I have is what I had from whenever I was a kid, honestly. That's, that's really cool. If you, if you could add a figure to your collection, like any figure, what's the one that you're, you're seeking the most that you would just love to get your hands on? Hmm. Well, I would say the one, two, three kid Hasbro, but he is the most hideously ugly figure of all time. <laughs> uh, I don't know, some one of the weird, maybe like um, like a Ludwig Borga would be nice, you know, with a with you know with the fingers. Because <laughs> that's the problem with those Hasbros. Like you were saying, the LJNs are indestructible. The Hasbros, I mean, the fingers came off so easily. They were all doing different, you know, uh, gang signs. Every one of yeah. them had a different set of fingers as they have. But, um, yeah, you know, but if I had to add one, I'd say probably Ludwig Borg, I'd say. It's a very strange one. He wasn't even around for very long, but he's one I don't have. Boy, I'm I'm looking up the one two three kid Hasbro figure, and it doesn't even look <laughs> like the one two three kid <laughs> It looks like they they took a mold of David Schwimmer's face. It kind of yeah. It, it, <laughs> <laughs> it's really bad. It's really horrible. It's a horrible looking figure, but it's one of them the, the highest price Hasbro's that you can wow. buy. Honestly, everyone wants the one, two, three kid. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and and one of the cool things you see now, especially like now that they're they're doing the Mattel is doing sort of like that that style. Now yeah. you're seeing a lot of people do like customs and and just amazing work with those. Oh yeah, I, I have seen that. Like I mentioned, the um, the things that I've gotten to see from working with this book um, have been amazing. Like I've seen figures that were never produced and just just amazing, amazing things. You you know, whenever you get the book, you'll be able to see it's just it's crazy, crazy stuff. That yeah. um, you know should have been released, or there was a story of why it wasn't released. Um, there's a lot of very interesting Hasbro stories that went on that I never knew about. Yeah. Um, there was a series. It was 
uh, I believe it was Series 8 or 9 of the Hasbros. And there was to be a Brutus the Barber uh, mm-hmm. Mega Maniacs figure released. And it didn't end up happening, and there was a replacement figure added to the series. And it was literally the same exact figure that was from the Series 4. Same packaging, same promo card, everything. And that's one of the big mysteries of the hat. You know, who was that? Was that Brutus the Barber supposed to come out? There's images of him. It's a lot of really cool, like, secret little things you get to see. Yeah, it, it sounds like it. And I've, uh, again, I've been following it for a while on Twitter. And, you know, occasionally uh, the book's Twitter account will post, like, here's some cool concept art or, or something, you know, really cool that's, uh, uh, that, you know, didn't didn't make it into production. Like you said, there there's always a lot of just really interesting stories behind that. How did you how did you get in contact with uh, the creators of this book? Well, the author uh, he's from the UK. His name is okay. Kevin uh, Idon, and he uh, it was really strange. It was on Twitter. There was there's a really really uh, popular Hasbro collector. He's a very popular wwe character and he had some images of his collection that he had posted Mm -hmm. and so i i posted some images of my collection just you know to share and just to see what other people have and everything and then about i don't even know it's about a month or so later i got contacted by the author kevin and he's he was you know bringing this team of of people together uh collectors and writers and and Mm -hmm. different different people and he asked me if there's anything i could offer for the book and i actually told him that I was a writer as well, but my writing isn't really like a like the retrospective style writing where it's a reference you know style of writing. Uh, sure. I do more creative creative stuff. So I said I could offer you know something funny, maybe like a poem or something like that. And Kevin was all about it. Uh, that was one thing. That's the reason that Kevin had the Kickstarter for the book was to get fans involved with the book and to actually become part of it. And that's what's really cool. Yeah, absolutely, and, and it's such a, again, like a unique project, because there's always a lot, uh, I mean, there there is wrestling literature out there, but there's never really been a whole lot about merchandise. Yeah, right. And, and exactly. it's, yeah, and, and it's always strange to me, because, like, as someone who grew up and has always been like a, like a toy collector, you know, the WWE and I mean even even uh, the other two WCW and and ECW when they uh, sort of uh, kind of late in the game but I mean they were all about licensing just about anything you could put your name on. <laughs> <laughs> yep, <laughs> that's well that's funny. The primary part of my collection is strange items. Yeah, my favorite one of my favorite items is a miniature. WWF, it says Coliseum Home Video, WWF, um, and Mini Fly Swatter. (laughs) That is is pretty amazing. It's so strange. It's so small. I mean, you're not killing any bugs with it. Like, there's no chance. (laughs) It's just so weird. I love it. I absolutely love it. What what are some of your other favorite strange things that that you've come across? Oh my! Well, I have I've found a very tiny, looks like almost like the size of like a baby doll bed. Uh, Jake the Snake Roberts pillow, licensed Titan Sports pillow. 
I don't know what it ever could have been used for. It's very, it's it's very strange. <laughs> Maybe it's for the uh, the Russell buddies so they can yeah. take a nap. There you go. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Um, some of the there's I got you know remember in uh, in grade school they'd make you fold your own book covers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you'd have to make your own. I have a WWF book cover set that's very <laughs> odd. Uh, I have the 1991 Valentines, which are hilarious. Just absolutely hilarious. Million Dollar Man, Texas Tornado. They're so funny. Um, yeah, I, it just, it's just different odd things like that that I just, I really like. Light, you know, little, uh, light switches and yeah. different, different odd things. Keychains. Just anything I've never slippers, anything I've never seen before that I'm like, you know what, I really gotta have that because nobody else is gonna have it, <laughs> you know. Like who who doesn't need a set of Max Moon bed sheets? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. I've recently just been convinced by my wife to retire my 1984 Rock and Wrestling Hulk Hogan uh, pillowcase. I've just been convinced of. Oh. It's, she told me I'm gonna ruin it, so she's yeah. she's right. So there, there's such a weird line that you have to walk with with any like actual vintage collectibles, where it's like, do I want to use it, and potentially like it, it's just gonna fall apart in the washer yeah. or or something like that, or do yeah. I want to frame it up somewhere? Yeah, yeah you gotta yeah. use it for a little bit and then frame it. There you go. <laughs> there you go. That works too. Or you get two. There you that, go. That works too. That's if you, you have the money. <laughs> yeah, it, that's usually a little bit more more expensive. My kids play with almost everything that I own. Yeah, everything I mean, that's that what I own, for, I, man. I give them free reign. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what that's you know that's a that's a great uh, that's the best way to like pass down those those sorts of things. Yeah, but it hurts whenever I see. I, I came down. It was a different. It was a different set of toys, but I came down the steps uh, the other night, and I have the the Dick, all the Dick Tracy toys, and uh, a couple of them got wishboned on the ground. They were broken pretty good, but you know <laughs> that's what it's all about. They were playing with them, so I don't I don't really mind that too much. Well, that's that's cool. That's really cool, and I'm so happy to hear that uh, you're getting your kids into into some really cool nerdy things like wrestling oh, yeah. and, and and Dick Tracy. <laughs> Yep, um, exactly. So, but, who who was your favorite wrestler growing up? My favorite was Bret Hart. Um, well, as a little little kid, obviously Hulk Hogan. But once I started really watching wrestling, Bret Bret Hart was my favorite for sure. Very cool. You got a favorite uh, Bret Hart match? Um, that's tough. I really like uh, Bret and Owen in the cage at SummerSlam. Okay. I yeah. really love uh, Brett and Roddy Piper at WrestleMania. Um, yeah. I actually, long ago, I won a contest to have a lunch with Bret Hart. Oh. So I got to talk to him for two hours about anything I wanted. That's and, so cool. Um, yeah, I asked him you know, some of his favorites, and he said it wasn't necessarily the best match he's ever had. He says, but the first ever, and he says, just to let you know, it was the first ever, and it was his, anyway, they did it in Calgary for years. But the first ever ladder match was Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart. Mm. They gave it a run, and I don't know if it was a house show or what it was. Yeah. But he said that was one of his favorites, just because they've never done anything like that in the WWE before, and 
that was one that he really enjoyed. So that that to me, I've gone back and you know watched that. It's not the best. He's he was right, but uh, it, it's you know just to, to have that connection with that. That's that's one of my favorites now as well. Yeah, it would it would have had to have been like a like a house show run or possibly something because I know in, in the uh, early and mid nineties. Uh, the WWF sort of had a working relationship with sort of like smaller independent territories. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and they would do talent exchanges, etc. So uh, it it would have had to, I would think it would have had to have been something like that. The only time I've ever seen it recorded was on, it's on Coliseum Home Video, most WWF's most unusual matches ever. Hmm. And it, yeah, it's the it's the main event of that VHS. <laughs> That's really cool, and, and I mean, you would have to think like the first, the very first ladder match isn't going to be a great match, right? <laughs> and the ladder was so heavy; it looked like they were going to kill each other with it. It was yeah. so it was really funny. Yeah, it's uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, check it out. It's it's a it is a cool match. It's cool. I mean, for for all of us out there who can get those Coliseum home videotapes. and and who still have working vcrs oh man yeah i'll I'll send you some pictures after the show (laughs) i wonder i wonder if it's uh i wonder if it's available on the network it might be it might be and i know there there was a ladder match dvd at one point but i don't know if that was if that made it on there or not like it wasn't very good so yeah i don't recall it being on there because we used to get all the specialty dvds so it's it didn't stand out to me if it was on there. <laughs> yeah, it probably wouldn't have. It was it was fairly long though, from what I remember. And uh, yeah, Brett and Sean on the ladder for the intercontinental yeah intercontinental championship. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. That's pretty yep. cool. Uh, yeah. Leah, you got any any questions? Any additional questions? Oh sure. Okay. <laughs> um, what would going back to the the figures and your collection and everything? Um. What what is your least favorite figure that they made? Ric Flair. Poor, poor little scrawny pencil neck Ric Flair. He has <laughs> the same body type as that one two three kid that you saw there. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he looks like he's like terrified or something. Right, you could you should you should take a look. It's really it is it's such a disservice to Ric Flair, but at the time he was just gonna be on his way out and you know all the the different different politics stuff that was going on. It, it you know it couldn't have been a high seller because it was just. Oh wow! It, it looks nothing like Ric Flair. I mean, it looks like a. Sk- I, I can't even compare it to anyone. It, really, it, it doesn't. It looks like a Stretch Armstrong. Kind of. <laughs> like the the, propor- the proportions are all weird. Yeah. Like he, mm-hmm. you're right. He's in that exact. I'm gonna be dropping this in our in our Skype chat. He's in the exact same pose as the one two three kid figure with the the bicep flexing, and he uh-huh. just looks angry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then just like all of his proportions seem like weirdly off. Yeah. Yeah, they are. They are. <laughs> the Rick Rude is the same same. Rick Rude's a little bit better. Because Rick Rick Rude was that skin. Well, he was you know very muscular, but that that pose that fits Rick Rude in my opinion. It fits Ric Flair to a degree, but man, is it just it's so ugly. But the one two three kid, I don't know if I've ever seen the one two three kid put on a headlock ever. 
it's yeah. just an odd, odd choice. Yeah, it's just such a weird, like... And that's the other thing about the Hasbro figures, is just, like, the action features. Like, they yep. were... They're actual, like, action figures, because they have, like, you know, an actual, uh, like, feature. They, you pull back on them, and they do, like, a clothesline, or, or something like that. Oh, the, the, the actions on the figures have just... They were, they were fantastic. The Hulk Hogan has a bear hug. Uh, there's just there's so many that are just perfect. There's an Andre slam, um, just great actions. British Bulldog also has a nice slam action to him. A lot of the uh, a lot of the popular ones were like Bret Hart's in a pose where he's very uh, very easily you know movable and he could do fa- a lot of different uh, moves and different uh, poses. That's what was so great about him, you know, yeah. in my opinion, just to have that capability to move when you know i did love the ljns and the author of the book kevin he got involved with wrestling figures in the wcw galoob which is also a very rigid hard you can't you know they don't articulate in any way but they're really nice figures too same exact progression in our collecting when we were kids (laughs) (laughs) so i just uh i just dropped uh the rick flair in the chat and you know, Nick, you're, you're right. A lot of the the uh, action features are just are, are so cool. Like I, uh, we went to a show a couple months back, and I managed to pick up a, a Randy Savage Hasbro figure. And just, oh, very nice! Uh, out of the box and everything, and he still drops the. He's still able to drop the elbow like it's like it's nothing. Oh yeah, which one did you get? The one with the sunglasses, the orange. Tights? Yeah, yeah, the orange tights one. Very nice. Yeah, I think that was the, one of his first or second series. There's there's so much information in this book. That's the reason that Kevin brought together this group of writers, collectors, fans, uh, to be able to contribute to this. Like, I, I wrote um, a couple of the series of the different, like, we just give a little nice, you know, description of what we, um, you know, what you see in the figure, if mm-hmm. it's different than the figures that have, you know, been before it, and different things like that. Just a little, little caption you know, below the pictures and the different stats of the figures. Ours is an actual an actual book. Like I've seen different magazines be made and different different things like that. Now this is the the unofficial wrestling figure retrospective that we are doing. I mean, it's a book that you are you could sit and look through for for hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it seems like it's it's going to be a really fun read. Uh, you know, I I grew up reading a lot of things like uh, Toy Fair and just again being a being a toy collector, and I am really looking forward to this. I hope everyone has. I really yeah. do. Everyone, the support from people has been just absolutely amazing. Uh, fans reaching out in excitement. It's just been it's been through the roof. Never expected. Uh, the Kickstarter was overfunded. I mean, everything has just gone so great. It's it's really really fun. It's a fun time. I can't wait for the holidays for this to be uh, ready to roll. Yeah. Yeah. And what when it's released? Uh, where is it going to be available for purchase? Uh, it is on WrestlingSuperstore.net. And they are taking pre-orders now, correct? Correct. Yes, you can order it right now today. You can log on the uh, the Kickstarter, the different promos for that have end, uh, but you can still you can still sign up and get your copy on its way for the holiday time. Yeah, you know, I, I would I would hope that if this is successful and this goes well for you and for Kevin, like I would I would be all about like other 
other projects in this same vein. Like, Me too. You know, this covers 90 to 94. I'd be all about, like, an Attitude Era book or, you know, just... To, I mean, you could almost... We, we talked about, like, fun and, and just strange merchandise uh, you can come across. Like, I would be up for... That would be a... Yeah. That would be a sweet, like, coffee table book. Just, like, all, like, the strangest items that they've put out. That's true. I, I would that, that that would be my favorite book around. Yeah. <laughs> and it's all like That's done artfully. Idea. Yeah, it's all like yeah. black and white photos. It's gotta be that that like you know have that coffee table feel where it's just like tons yeah. of big pictures. Yeah, that would be great. I would love to do an LJN book. I, I would love to. It's just it it is very very time consuming. That's for certain. Um, the research, like because mm-hmm. I started just as I wrote. Kevin, you know, wanted something funny. I gave him a poem for the for the introduction of the book, um, and that's how I started with this. And then it snowballed from there. Different different ideas, and and uh, it just it became. He asked he needed someone to do a promo um, a promo video. I jumped mm-hmm. into that. He needed some someone to read my poem in uh, wrestlers' voices, so I jumped into that as well. <laughs> that's that's actually like my. My favorite part of this whole thing is the creative, just like the funny, fun, silly stuff. Yeah. Yeah, but, I, absolutely. Yeah, if you'd let me, I would definitely do the poem for you guys. That's totally up to you. Oh, we would we would love to hear the poem. Okay, so after the book was, after we were, everything was started, I signed up with Kevin and his, his team. Uh, he, he said, I'm looking for someone to do a promo, and I'm looking for four different Hasbro-era wrestler voices to read this poem and i knew the poem was mine so i said hey i'll uh i'll shoot a video and send it over to you so you know kevin he liked it and we just went from there so excuse me i'm just taking a drink so i can do the voices here for you i'm not i'm not going to tell you who they are i know the phone recording isn't the greatest but hopefully you can guess who they are we'll see okay Uh, there is a canadian in there so (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure you can figure out which canadian that would be uh, all right, here we go. Let me, I'm just going to bring it up. I, I do remember it, but um, I just like to have it in front of me here. <laughs> so, uh, all right. <clears throat> Yellow card, red card, purple and blue. The hitman is my champ. How about you? The hot rod, the Hulkster, Skinner and Crush. We made our choice to love them this much. From the smell of a fresh open pack, to the piles of cards in a very neat stack. Most of our matches were in a ring of blue, while a yellow apron was home to a select lucky few. The Steiners, the Shrinkers, the Rockers, and more. As kids, we'd scour and search every store. Hills, Argos, and KB, we would check daily to see what we see we needed that one rare star to complete our most special cards where figures compete we have in this corner fighting with great size giant gonzalez but could coco surprise oh yeah the the warlord they're fighting for the strap funny you found them on the for sale end cap Damaged or minty, macho is still king, baby. You're so close to the real thing. <laughs> it's like being in the ring. Oh, my God. 
<laughs> that was amazing. Thanks. I'm glad you liked it. <laughs> that was so. Who are good. they? Who are the guys? You know. Bret Hart was definitely the go. second guy. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Randy Savage was the third. There you go. The first and the last. Those are the two I'm not sure of. That's all right. They're they're might. I'm not sure how old you are, but they might be a little bit. Uh, the last one, baby, was the American Dream, Dr. Oh, Rose. the American... Uh, that's what I was going to guess with the lisp. Okay. <laughs> I didn't... a little bit of that. Yeah. yeah. I, I didn't well, I, catch I had the a lisp. cold last week, so... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the first one was Ro- Rowdy Roddy Piper. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. You I know, with that, that's the way... That, you know. <laughs> I have a lot of fun with this book. A whole lot of fun. And I hope... Whenever it comes out, everyone who buys it has just as much fun reading it that we've had, you know, putting into it. Well, absolutely. It, it sounds really good. I know I'm uh, I'm looking forward to, to getting it myself. And, again, you know, we, we hope uh, the best for, for you, Nick, and for Kevin with the book. Uh, Leith, do you, do you have any additional questions? I think I'm good. Okay. I think well, I got all mine in. All right. <laughs> well, let's, uh, we'll check the emails real quick. Uh, if you're listening to this and you want to be part of the show, you can email us at thewrestlingtimemachine at gmail.com, and we will read your emails live on the show. Uh, let's see here. Looking at the emails. Unfortunately, we don't have any emails. That's okay. Again, if you want to be a part of the show, you can email us at thewrestlingtimemachine at gmail.com. We'll read your emails live on the show. So let's go ahead and jump into some results and just kind of sort of uh, talk about, we're going to be talking about first, the WWF, August of 1995, facing the heat with SummerSlam and and everything happening during that time. So, Leith, I'm going to let you do the first results. Aw, thanks. You're welcome. (laughs) Uh, let's see. You want me just... I'm doing the first week, correct? Right, just the first week. <laughs> it's been a while. Yeah, it's been a minute since we last recorded. Alright, so we got Monday Night Raw, August 7th, 1995. Uh, tag team match between Owen Hart and Yokozuna with Mr. Fuji, Jim Cornette, and they defeated Razor Ramon and Savio Vega to retain the WWF Tag Team Championships. Uh, there's a singles match. Uh, Fatu defeated Tony DeVito. Another singles match, Kama with Ted DiBiase defeats Tony Haste. And a final singles match with Diesel defeating Sermo. All right, very cool. So Nick, you're you're our guest, and you know you uh, you committed to this homework with us like a crazy person. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm going to watch it anyways, you know. Yeah, there you go. So, uh, what did you think? Do you have any any notes or thoughts on this uh, first week of Raw? I, lo- I love anything Owen does. Yeah. Uh, Owen, the Owen Yokozuna as a tag team was fantastic. Uh, Mr. Fuji and Jim Cornette on the outside. I mean, they are the show. Those four... I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. Savio and Ra- Razor, they're they're great uh, superstars. But um, I, I feel like, you know, after rewatching it, you know, as an adult and not as a kid, how much you hate them 
hate them so bad. It, 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 <laughs> does, it doesn't feel like that's around as much anymore. You know, yeah. you wanted Jim Cornette. You wanted Razor to just <laughs> pound him so bad. <laughs> but yet, to me, they were the stars of the entire night, and they started the show. Yeah, I uh, I'm really digging uh, this era right now because Jim Cornette is just a delight. Like anytime you get him near a microphone, it's just uh, just solid gold. Uh, there there are some fun highlights throughout this whole broadcast. Like uh, for example, Sir Mo uh, calling Diesel Big Daddy Fool. <laughs> I, I'm still wondering where the castle of coolness is. Was that not just like the corniest <laughs> thing for Diesel to say? I was like, what? <laughs> what? Like, like, where is this castle of coolness? <laughs> Kevin Nash is just. There's something about him as Diesel that's super just cornbally. Like, yep. it's just, he's just very, like, over the top in, like, a wholesome way. Yep, and it's just, his it's, SummerSlam promo is the same style. It's the same yeah. thing. Yo, it's the same thing. <laughs> it's like, oh man, <laughs> exactly. Uh, but uh, we do get during this first broadcast uh, of August, Gorilla Monsoon is going to be announced as the interim WWF president, and he's making changes all over the place. He's the one who announces that you know it's no longer going to be Michaels versus Sid at SummerSlam. It's going to be Shawn Michaels versus Razor Ramon, and it's going to be a, a return of the, the ladder match. Uh, yep. we, get, uh, we get a really great bit on commentary where uh, Jerry the King Lawler says, anyone who thinks there's an oil shortage has never seen Razor's hair. <laughs> classic classic Lawler. I, I, the best guy, I love it. I absolutely love it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> we, get, uh, we get Dean Douglas calling out uh, Razor Ramon and Savio Vega following the match, and he grades them. He gives them a grade of uh, 1T, and then he says, no, it's going to be 2Ts for a terrible twosome. <laughs> uh, any any thoughts on the Dean Douglas segments? Uh, I, was, I was never... The chalkboard, I, I can't even... Yeah. It, it drives me crazy. <laughs> but um, I, I, I like to hate him as well. Um, and it, nothing that what I can't remember which exact segment it was. Is that the one where Razor does show up backstage? And no, that's going to be SummerSlam. No, yeah, oh, that was that was SummerSlam. Okay, okay. Because I was going to say that was my favorite part of that particular segment. Because <laughs> uh, Razor gets him good. Dean Douglas could have been fantastic. It's an interesting um, way to build like heel. Like they're just like building heel heat for him this whole time but they're not like like they don't want him to wrestle yet yeah like it's an interesting way to build a character and not something i could see them doing now like it seems like everybody has to wrestle immediately yeah back then they did do you know little vignette promos like that before the uh before the wrestler for some reason would who knows maybe it was uh you know a contract thing they weren't able to actually step in a ring yet who knows back then and and it could have just been a way to like to build the character first so you already like you're already hating him yeah so it's like you know when he comes out and actually wrestles you're gonna boo the crap out of him uh bruce pritchard talked about doing something similar when goldust first started and we're going to sort of see that in the coming months where before Goldust even actually steps into the ring, they're at this point, they're trying to sort of establish 
a character like Dean Douglas as a heel by having him sort of just cut promos on well-known faces. Yeah. 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 Same style thing. Yeah, the gold yeah. dust ended up working a lot better. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, man, I, I don't know. I don't even know. Whenever gold dust started, I'm not sure if that was a, a rib to him or, or what exactly it was, but it ended up just being it, one of my favorite characters, truly. Yeah, yeah, I remember in his book he talks about that, like calling him up and basically explaining the gold dust character character to him and seeing if he wanted the to do it kind of thing. Mm. Mm, okay. It goes into it a little bit and just like how it all came to be because I guess he worked with some of them previously, so they yeah. they knew him through like his father and everything, mm-hmm. and then just had that this character, this gold dust character in mind, and they just thought he would be like, it'd be, like, he would be it. <laughs> they picked the perfect guy. Yeah, I, Ran I, with that ball all the way. I think uh, one of the funnier things about uh, Dustin Rhodes as gold dust is, like Leith was talking about, you know, he talks about it in his book, and they've talked about it. Like, uh, I've heard, uh, heard him talk about it on the WWE photo shoot show on the network. And uh, Bruce and uh, Conrad have talked about it on their show, Something to Wrestle With. And uh, Dustin says, you know, when they called him up to do the Gold Dust character, they described it, they kept using the word androgynous. And he kind of agreed to it without knowing what that word meant. And I went and looked <laughs> it up in the dictionary and kind of had a, a, an, oh, oh, that's, uh, ooh, it's going to be a little, uh, little different. Well, that's cool. That's cool. I never knew that. That's really cool. Yeah. Uh, So, one of the other things we get uh, during this broadcast, you know, again, we've announced that Gorilla Monsoon is going to be the interim president, and Todd Pettengill is uh, interviewing Gorilla Monsoon about SummerSlam. And before his interview with uh, Monsoon, I thought this was really uh, interesting. Todd sort of emphasizes that Diesel will be defending his title for the sixth time at a pay-per-view event this year. And this feels like sort of a jab at Hulk Hogan and WCW. Mm. Mm. Like a jab without saying too much. Yeah, because, I mean, we, Leith, we've been doing this for a while. How many times has Hogan defended his title even right. on pay-per-view, right? Like, How many times has he even been on, like, the show? Yeah, so... <laughs> Like, it it seems like a sort of way of saying, like, hey, look, our champion is here, and he's reigning and defending consistently. Right? Hmm. That's, that's interesting. That, you got, that sounds, I mean, that's that sounds like it could very well have been a nice little poke. They were always poking back oh, and yeah. forth. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You could see it. I mean, this, well, because of the different tapings, I'm not sure of how many tapings they would do. Uh, for WCW, you know, in a week or whatever, but uh, the live Raw, you could tell they'd respond every week to something, some subtle yeah. little poke of some sort, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's it's there when, I mean, even like at this time, 95, when they're not necessarily in direct competition with one another, right? Because right. Raw and Nitro aren't going head-to-head yet, right? So right. there's not like a sense of direct competition, but, you know, Vince and company had to be aware that Nitro was coming. Because this is August of 95, Nitro is going to debut the next month, right? right. So it's right. not like they were, you know, it's not like WCW had this under their hat the whole time. I mean, 
when you're putting together a show like that, you're making a big stink. You're sending out uh, promos, vignettes, whatever it is, to different companies to like get advertisers. Well, they even um, talk about it in WCW yeah. like during this month. Oh yeah, absolutely. They they mention it on the show that Nitro is coming. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And so you know, so they they obviously there's no way they wouldn't have known. Yeah, they it, so it feels like a sort of kind of like. Hey, you know, we know WCW is gonna be kind of like competing with us. Don't stray too far because, hey, just a reminder, our champ is here. Like um, AJ Styles. Yeah. Styles. <laughs> <laughs> the face that runs the place. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Very interesting. I never thought of that, but you're, that that could very well have been the case. Yeah. Uh, and during this interview, you know, Gorilla promises to be the most fan-friendly president to ever hold the office, and he wants to stress that he's just the interim president, uh, because he doesn't want to have to worry about playing politics, the corporate side of the WWF, his hands aren't tied, and he can do what he wants. So we're, we're getting that, and uh, we get, uh, you know, just some uh, highlights and some some talking about like the other matches he's going to he's going to make uh Bret Hart versus Isaac Yankum, uh the Undertaker versus Kama, Alundra Blaze versus Bertha Faye. You know, this is going to be a, a a big deal. I just have a, the women actually have a match. <laughs> a, ma- a whole match. Oh yeah. <laughs> if you can call what? it that. Yeah, yeah, they do. <laughs> like that they, I, half the time I forget there's even women on the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was rough. It really was rough back then. Very rough. Yeah. Uh, we get uh, at during that comma Troy Haste uh, or Tony Haste match rather. Sorry. Uh, we get. I uh, have Troy too. Yeah. I might have <laughs> mistyped it. I must have mistyped it somewhere. Uh, but uh, we get the Undertaker's Creatures of the Night, the Goth fans. At ringside, and they got like another big black wreath, and uh, Sid's on the phone blaming Michaels for his loss against Diesel. Uh, and Gorilla pulled him from SummerSlam and replaced him with Razor as well. Yeah. So Sid's not too happy. <laughs> <laughs> and then our main event, you know, we talked about it. It's uh, Diesel versus Sermo. In a singles match, and this was actually really interesting because Sir Mo is actually getting offense. You know, it's not just like a, a complete squash match. Mm-hmm. Oh no, 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 not at all. Mo could go. Actually, I always yeah. thought Mo was the the more he had to carry. I mean, Mabel was gigantic, and he was the attraction. But if you wanted a you know couple minutes, you had to put Mo out there. I thought he could actually go. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It was it was very uh, again just kind of very surprising because you just kind of thought like I mean this whole Mabel push kind of came out of left field. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know we we talked about how that that win at King of the Ring and this whole push from June through the month of August. I mean it was all designed of course to to give Diesel this sort of big attraction to to kind of go against, but. Up until then, Men on a Mission hadn't exactly, you know, they hadn't exactly been setting the, the tag team scene on fire. No, no. <laughs> you know, so it, it was uh, it was really kind of interesting to see that, uh, yeah, they were going to let, you know, have Mo get some offense. So, 
before we cut to uh, next week, do we got any any other thoughts on on this week? Any other things we want to expound or riff on? I was just gonna say, with the the end of that match was just like it's one of those where it just got like so crazy overbooked with and King Mabel coming out and HBK, and then somehow HBK is like attacking King, but it's like just like a big cluster of I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's not WCW overbooked. No, no, but for for WWF, it's kind of like what is happening. <laughs> There's definitely a '90s finish. Yeah. You know, yes. where- they cut the cameras and everyone's still out there going at it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and and they, it seems like they always want to get like as many people, like as many of their big stars in that main event as possible. Yeah. For whatever reason, it's like, well, we had Sir Mo out there. We need Mabel, and we need <laughs> HBK, and we need King for some reason to like also be involved. I don't know. <laughs> well, and it's, it was also another good way to kind of because at this point, Michaels is in a really weird transitional period. They're trying to get him over as a face, and this was kind of another way to another way to solidify that. Like he's out there with his friend Diesel helping him, you know, clean house. Mm. Gotcha. Yeah, that that makes sense to have like the two buddies against the other two buddies. Yeah. I'm still not really sure why King <laughs> got involved. <laughs> well, King had uh, King was uh, ready to face Shawn Michaels the following week. Oh, that's true. For the for the Intercontinental Championship, which I suppose kind of leads us into next week. Let's uh, let's talk go. about those <laughs> results real quick. We got uh, a singles match: Waylon Mercy beating uh, Leith's favorite, Doink the Clown. Mm-hmm. We have a tag team match: the Smoking Guns, Bart and Billy Gunn, defeating the team of Cody Wade and Bill Garrett. We have a singles match: uh, two future uh, Hall of Famers. Hunter Hearst Helmsley defeating Jeff Hardy. We've got a singles match, Henry O. Godwin defeating Ross Greenberg. And a singles match, this is what we uh, alluded to just a moment ago, Shawn Michaels defeating Jerry the King Lawler via disqualification to retain the WWF Intercontinental Championship. So, Nick, any any thoughts on, on this week? I actually thought this was. I actually thought this was a different uh, week. I thought there was a fa- was Fatu the previous week. Yeah, yes. Fatu, Fatu was the previous match. week. Yeah, yeah, we totally uh, passed that. We <laughs> did. I'm sorry. I'm That's sorry. okay. Um, <laughs> uh, let, let me think here. Well, honestly, getting I loved getting to see not going back as an adult watching Triple H, uh, so young, out there starting his career was my favorite part of the entire show. Just getting to see him go at all was, was really cool. Um, yeah, I loved, um, doing doing was a huge, I was a huge doing fan as well. Um, let's see. I loved it. The build up to the, to the main event of, um, you know, getting over the summer, the SummerSlam pay-per-view building up, um, Jerry Lawler as the booking with, uh, Isaac Yankum and Bret Hart. Mm-hmm. The, the connection for that, because I was not, I wasn't really ready for. I was that, that match meant nothing to me yet. And this this week started the build up for my Bret Hart Isaac Yankum. I I was really hoping to get to go to this, being that it was in it was in <laughs> Pittsburgh. You yeah, know, I was really really. And my birthday is in September, so I was begging begging my dad to go to this, and I was getting those. My cousin already had his tickets. 
you know. And I and then I just found out that now Shawn Michaels and Razor are going up in the ladder, and I, I just had to do everything I could. And still, I think it was only two weeks away, and uh, and I still didn't have any tickets. But this Aww. is when I really started to get invested in yeah. the Brett Isaac Yankum storyline with the King. Well, that's that's really cool, and, and I mean, uh, I'm I'm sorry to hear you didn't get to go. Oh, I did. Oh, you did. That's uh-huh. right. The day before, yeah, that's what I was. I do have to get my daughter, but I did want to get out that story of SummerSlam because uh, I didn't have tickets building all the way up to the show. Well, you know um, what? I was. Let's uh, let's take a minute because you know, like you said, you, you've got uh, your daughter to pick up. What were yeah. your thoughts as a as a, a young young kid getting to see all this live? Oh my gosh! Well, first off, I the only event before that I ever got to see, I got to see two events. I got to see one in a high school where the main event was Cactus Jack versus uh, Two Cool Scorpio. Okay. Um, so I, that was one of them, and then the other one I got to see. I was really small. I was like three years old, and I got to see it was um, it was Ultimate Warrior, the Blue Cage with mm. I believe it was a program with Sergeant Slaughter at Civic Arena. It was it's, really, it's hard for me to remember, but that that was the only two times I ever got to go. And then I was begging my dad to go to this show, begging him, and uh, it wasn't happening. And then the day before, <laughs> like I was being such a jerk about it too. Like I really wanted to go. My cousin had tickets. It's my birthday. You know, I was being a typical little jerk. Like how and could was, you not make this happen, <laughs> Dad? Come on. I it's... know. I was ten. I was ten years old, and um, or no, maybe nine. But um, so. Saturday came, and he goes, hey, what are you doing? You know, Sundays are the day we normally would do, like, you know, yard work and different stuff. And I thought, oh, crap. Uh, <laughs> Got to mow the lawn. Yeah, yeah. So I tried thinking of something to do in my head. So I said, oh, I was supposed to go to blah, blah, blah. I was going to go to my friend's house or whatever. He goes, oh. He goes, that's too bad. I said, oh, okay. And he goes, that's because uh, I got tickets for your SummerSlam. And I went, oh, I about lost my mind. Lost my <laughs> mind. But my birthday was September 1st, so it was a couple yeah. of days early, you know. Yeah. But so we got to go. We sat. We were in the highest part of Civic Arena. I'll never forget walking up. And when we walked in, like right away, you could look in at Civic Arena, and you can see right down into the onto the floor. And I could see the SummerSlam banner. I could see the ring set up. And mm-hmm. it was just, I, I, I still, I can feel it right now just being there. I can feel it. I can feel it whenever I rewatch SummerSlam. You know, I could feel every single match. I remember <laughs> the pops, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like uh, the I, Hakuchi to start off. It was just, I remember me and my brother arguing back and forth of who we wanted to win. And my dad <laughs> just could not have cared less about being there. But he at least took us and he sat through the whole thing. That's a that's a good dad and oh yes I tell you what there's there's always something just kind of magical about your first uh, big wrestling event. Yep. And, yep. And, and what's funny is my cousin thought that the main event was Shawn Michaels Razor Ramon. <laughs> <laughs> so he didn't get to see Diesel and Mabel even even wrestle. <laughs> they left. They left early, and I got oh. to see the whole thing. I'll never forget it. <laughs> Well, that's, that's funny. Yeah, that's really cool. Well, I'm, I, you know, I'm glad you could share that with us, and that's a, oh, that's a that's a really good story. Uh yeah, we still we still have a couple minutes here, you know, while we uh, got you on, so we'll uh, keep talking about results. Yeah, I will uh, point out, getting back to, uh, you know, like like Leith pointed out, we we did skip that Fatu match, but uh, one of the more interesting things about the Fatu match was, uh. 
Fatu wins with a big, like like an ace crusher, like a cutter, yep. uh, on his opponent, on Tony DeVito, and Vince calls it a Samoan Bulldog. Oh, I didn't even catch that. That wasn't yeah. even... Wow. I thought Samoan. that was just kind of really interesting. Huh. I lo- now I'm going to have to go back and, and, and see that again. Yeah. The Samoan Bulldog. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, we, we talked a little bit about uh, about uh, this uh, this particular week, August fourteenth, nineteen ninety five, and I believe uh, the following week we're gonna have that's uh, when we had uh, Cobalt on. But uh, you know, uh, Nick, did you have any any other thoughts on on this week? Uh, this one, not this was the uh, the Collision in Korea is the following week. Is that uh, Collision in Korea was actually the first week of August, and that's uh, WCW. Oh, oh, you're doing WWF. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. Okay. I'm, that's jumping, okay. I'm just trying to. I know I had there's a bunch of points that I wanted to make sure that I commented on, and I just wanted to, you know. Sorry. I'm no, sorry. it's it's okay. <laughs> uh, if you got if you got something like you want to say, jump into it because okay. we'll we'll uh, you know we'll absolutely talk about it. Oh yeah, no problem. Yeah, continue. I'm I'm sorry. I get that's, excited. <laughs> that's okay. So, uh, Lee, if you get, you got any thoughts on this week? I hate Doink the Clown, and I wish you would go away forever. <laughs> well, I mean, you you got uh, you, you got something pretty close. I mean, there were Kill the Clown chants during uh, yeah. that whole match. Uh, we get uh, a Gold Dust promo. You know, we had one the week before, and we get another one uh, this week. He's in front of Warner Brothers Studios, and it was really just kind of like a flashback for me because behind him you can see uh, Looney Tunes. Batman oh, yeah, animated okay. series and Tiny Toons posters, which was uh, pretty cool. Uh, one and of the... I always got the feeling like like I don't know from what uh, from these vignettes because I didn't see them until we watched it now. Mm-hmm. Um, I get the feeling that he's almost like an an actual physical Oscar, like yeah. come to life. Is that what we're like? Did you guys get that vibe as well? Yeah, I kind of got that. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I can see definitely. Like, what you I mean. feel like that's like why he's like all in gold, and then he does like mm-hmm. the whole like it. I don't know how it transitioned into what gold dust became, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> initially that's the feel I got. He's just like an actual physical like Oscar statue that has come to life and now yeah. wants to wrestle. Yeah, <laughs> I think he was trying to capture the essence of movies. Yeah, yeah, you know, like and an Oscar definitely would do that. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, there's this weird sort of, like, aspect of fame that they're kind of trying to, like, capitalize on as a theme for the character. Something that's not dissimilar from the the uh, androgyny that you would associate with a character or with a performer like Marilyn Manson. But not mm-hmm. it, at this point, it's not quite as dark or out, out on Front Street yet. Uh one of the one of the things I, I noted that was really interesting uh, during the Smoking Guns uh, Bill Garrett Cody Wade match is uh, Garrett and Wade have like train themed gear. <laughs> like it's it's all like airbrushed on, and Garrett is like a big boy. Like I mean, he is pretty gigantic, <laughs> and. Uh, Wade, like, Garrett's gear makes it clear that he's the engine of the train, and Wade is the caboose. Yeah, it's creepy. It's <laughs> creepy. 
Uh, I wonder why they didn't. You know, they. I you guarantee. I guarantee they did have a name for their tag team. I would have loved to have known actually what that I name know. was. And I looked, and I could not find anything. <laughs> choo choo. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I mean, to be an independent wrestling fan on the scene in in 1995. Who? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not flattering. Not flattering. No, not at all. Uh, so we get, uh, you know, we get uh, another Dean Douglas segment where he calls, uh, he gives Brett an F and calls him the foundation of failure. Not a fan of that segment. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I remember it as a kid, vividly. Yeah. Uh, it was It was not, uh... again, the Dean Douglas segments aren't bad because he can definitely talk. But what kills it, and I mean, maybe that's kind of part of the uh, idea is, you know, get people to, to hate him. Nails on a chalkboard. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's almost because, like, like, now they have NXT to kind of really, like, build people's characters ahead of time. Yeah. But back then they didn't really have anything like that, so they can't just mm. in- introduce a character and you not know who it is because nobody's going to care. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Uh, right. Now they do it a lot in the magazines as well. They oh, show yeah. a little, little clip of a new, you know, coming star or uh, whatever. But I think it was this Dean Douglas segment where the nail, like he actually, it's he starts scratching the board on this one, and then they hit the fake sound, the fake nails on the board. You know what I mean? Yeah. I can't remember if this one, but this was an extra excruciating because the first like four or five inches is his real. It's the real sound of his nails on that board. Yeah. It's just awful. It's, yeah. It's just like... It's a, one of the... Where I get away with not being able to hear very well, so it's like... <laughs> I, don't, I don't usually hear the actual, like, sound that it makes. <laughs> uh, I, I do have some interesting notes about the Hunter Hearst-Helmsley-Jeff Hardy match. We get oh, some... Oh, same here. <laughs> yeah. We get uh, some polite applause for Hunter from some elderly ladies in the audience. <laughs> and uh, Jeff Hardy, I mean, he can't be older than 18 here. Uh, goes for a whisper in the wind, real uh, at some point in the match. And I mean, this is a this is pre for anybody who's listening. This is like pre Hardy Boys, Jeff Hardy. Yes, yeah. This is like when they would just come in and and job whenever yeah. they would be given an opportunity to do so. Yeah. Well, this is when they were get stage TV hands, time. Both. Yeah. Weren't yeah. they still stagehands? Yeah, they yeah, were. They, they, I think they even held the door in the one in pay-per-view. The yeah. Came yeah. the ring, they yeah. Very good. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. They were, they were basically taking, you know, they were doing they, what a lot of they, people would do, take any work they could get. Yep, exactly. Anything they could, I mean, any time they would have TV time. Like, you can tell with this match, Jeff Hardy knew how much time he had, and he worked yep. every minute of it. <laughs> yeah, he did. Uh, it was like I also commented that his pants reminded me of the Young Bucks. <laughs> I can see that, yeah. Oh, I believe that the Young Bucks style has come very. Have you ever seen their first promo shot? The uh, the Hardy Boys. Yeah. 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 Half bandanas. They have. They look exactly like the Young Bucks. It's yeah, and I think that I feel like that's kind of like the Young Bucks kind of capitalized on that pretty early because it's yeah. like again they're like brothers who wrestled in a similar style yep yeah <laughs> uh leaf you said you you said you had some notes about this match and anything else about that 
Oh, that's mostly what I was I was okay. going as. For me personally, Jeff Hardy was more memorable than Triple H that's in fair. this particular match. Like, yeah, like Triple H. If hasn't I was a fan me. watching at this time, I wouldn't have walked away and be like, "Oh, Hunter Hearst Helmsley is a great wrestler." I'd be like, "Who's that guy? <laughs> Why haven't you signed that guy?" Right? I love how him. stiff Hunter was at such a young age with these young guys. That's one. Like that's what I love to see. He was already a veteran in the ring when he was a rookie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hunter was very stiff, even with the, with the young guys. Whenever he, you know, was just starting out, because he was trying, I believe, even then, to change how wrestling was 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 done. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and that's and that's uh, that's a really good point. I mean, you can really tell sometimes when he's laying those uh, laying those blows in there. He he gets pretty stiff sometimes. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. I think Leith makes an interesting point. You know, at this point, Triple H Honor is not as interesting of a character. He's very... The the gimmick is very sort of one-dimensional at this point. Mm-hmm. Because it's just, I'm, I'm fancy. Yeah. 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 yeah, that's true. That is true. It's, that's it. That's the whole gimmick. Uh, but uh, we do also get some highlights of uh, Barry Horowitz beating Skip in a 10-minute time, li- uh, <laughs> time limit match. And Vince is plugging that he's going to be on uh, the WWF AOL page, which is just I mean, peak nineties. <laughs> yes. Uh, we get uh, we get a really cool promo for WrestleMania the special, which is WWE like they're going to air highlights of WrestleMania on like NBC or something, and uh, it's uh, part of the graphic is like uh, an LT versus Bam Bam Bigelow like football helmet graphic. Which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, we start to see Henry O. Godwin slopping his opponents because he does that to poor Russ Greenberg. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we get uh, you know a, a, an Isaac Yankum promo, and uh, Barry Dedinsky and the one two three kid and Savio Vega are playing Matt Caps, which is woo, woo the WWF <laughs> version of Pogs because it can't get more nineties. <laughs> and they're offering you an uncut sheet uh, of uh, Matt Caps, a gold-plated slammer, a neoprene board, and a free three-month subscription to the WWF magazine, all for only nineteen dollars. Wonder how many of those are still around. I have looked. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, is... I do not have WWF Pogs. I do not. Uh, I've been I've been wanting because there was uh, they released they would some like you would uh, I guess they also did like uh, sort of like theme packs kinda and one of them is like an Undertaker one so you get oh, like boy. a little coffin carrying case for your mat caps. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, it is. <laughs> That's probably the best part. Yeah, that's that's it. That's peak uh, peak Matt Caps, uh, and uh, you know we get the Shawn Michaels Jerry Lawler chant, uh, or Jerry Lawler match rather, and boy howdy do ladies love them sh- some Shawn Michaels. Yeah, apparently I never understood that personally. The men did but... too. So <laughs> <laughs> like he's good in he's a good wrestler, but. Yeah, and I didn't get the rest of the appeal. I think yeah. he just kind of had that like rock star vibe. I guess. That, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's weird because whenever I was a kid, I always thought Marty Jannetty would be the one to come out of that tag team as the star. 
<laughs> I did. I really did. <laughs> like, I don't know. Sean always kind of, like, to me, he's kind of got that sort of Keith Richards, Eddie Van Halen, like, rock star vibe. Yeah, I guess I don't get any of those either. <laughs> Apparently not my type. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's not my type either, but, I mean, it's just... <laughs> Like, I, I think that's the appeal, though. Gotcha. So, we got, uh, before we move on to August 21st, do we have any other thoughts? Uh, yeah. not, uh, I, I'm really, I do have to get my daughter in, like, two minutes. I did have one thing to say about the, uh, can I talk about the... Oh, absolutely, Korea? please. Okay, gr- great. I love the singles match with Hawk. I'm so, I can't remember the, the wrestler's name that he wrestled, but it was so cool. And, and getting to see that, I remember that as a kid as well. I used to rent wrestling VHS tapes. Like, I'd go and rent eight of them on a Friday night. Like, I'd rent as many of them as I could. And I remember that one specifically because it was nothing that I have ever seen before. Oh, my gosh, look. They're <laughs> going around Japan. I have to see this. This is humongous. And it was awesome. From the very start of the Two Cool Scorpio to Chris Benoit, I just I love that entire show. The main event wasn't my favorite, but like, but getting to see different things, the Steiner brothers just abused this tag team. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, they I, did. I believe. <laughs> but uh, I did, did say that, and I want to say how the, 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 the whenever I would see something weird like WWF's most outrageous matches ever or for things like that. Like I would always love to get those because I knew that it was nothing that I've seen before. And this, the collision in Korea was exactly like that for me. Well, very cool. I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it. And you know, this is the one thing we love about this show is everybody getting to see, you know, new things and, and, you know, stuff that's, that's fresh to them. And that's, that's great. And, uh, you know, Nick, I, I understand you got to go, and we, we want to thank you for, for coming on the show. Where can people find you on the Internet? Uh, I'm at um, Berg Bartley, B-U-R-G-H-B-A-R-T-L-E-Y, like Pittsburgh and Bartley, uh, mm-hmm. on Twitter. That's really, uh, Twitter's the only thing I do, but um, definitely look up the uh, WrestlingSuperstore.net and look for the unofficial wrestling figure retrospective, 1991 to 1994. Very cool. Well, we thank you for coming on, Nick, and we hope you have a great night. If you ever want to be on the show again, please hit us up. I absolutely will. Uh, Thank you both very much. Happy birthday. Yes, happy birthday to <laughs> Leah. There you go. Oh, yeah, I see. <laughs> but yes, I thank you both so much. This was so much fun. I could honestly talk to you guys all night long about this. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> but uh, yeah, thank you so much, and I-, I will get in contact with you again. I would love to do this again. I really enjoyed the, the watching all the old uh, old shows. <laughs> I really, really had a good time doing that. That was that was so cool to do that as you know as listeners is a great great idea. Well, thank you, and and we uh, again we thank you for being on the show, and you have a great night, Nick. Hey, thank you as well. Have a good one, both of you. Me too. Thank you. Bye bye. And you know that's the other thing we forgot to mention, Leah. It's your birthday. It is. <laughs> by the time this goes up, it's not going to be your birthday anymore. But no. <laughs> happy birthday! Hooray! We've been I'm old. <laughs> We've been we've been doing this for almost a year. Crazy. I know. 
it's uh, it's something. But uh, happy birthday! Thank you. Yeah. So uh, let's uh, let's talk about the next week, which is August twenty first, nineteen ninety five, and I believe uh, you got the results for this one. Sure do. A tag team match with men on a mission. That's King Mabel and Sir Mo defeating Roy Raymond. Yeah, try saying that. Raymond. Yeah. <laughs> Joe and Joe Hancock. Goodness. <laughs> they need to give these jobbers easier names. <laughs> it's a singles match. Uh, one, two, three kid defeating the Brooklyn Brawler. Another singles match. Undertaker defeating Tatanka with Ted DiBiase. Singles match. Jean Pierre Lafitte defeating Scott Taylor. And we've got one more match, which is. Oh, sorry, I <laughs> totally missed it. That's okay. Diesel. Uh, and the British Bulldog defeating Men on a Mission, King Mabel and Sir Moe. So, yeah. Men on a Mission is pulling double duty. <laughs> yeah, they are. So, uh, we actually, real quick, you know, we actually covered this episode long form with uh, Cobalt from Chikara Professional Wrestling. If you're interested and you want something to do, go uh, go check that episode out. You can watch that whole episode of WWE Monday Night Raw on the WWE Network and, you know, hang out with us while we watch it with you. So check that out. And uh, let's uh, let's kind of jump into our thoughts on that. Did we have any any other thoughts that maybe we didn't like cover when we had uh, when we had Cobalt on? I'm trying to think. It's been so long since we recorded that it's, one. Yeah, Do I remember? It's been a minute. <laughs> it, it was kind of a, a meh week. There wasn't a lot going on or a lot of like build up to other things, it felt like. Sure. Sure, okay. So, you get, I mean, you get your standard, you get more, more gold dust, men on mm-hmm. mission have the two matches... You get to chat with Vince on AOL. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we uh, we uh, get uh, just some interesting things here. We get uh, Mabel being billed at 568 pounds, mm-hmm. which is a uh, a big boy. Yes. Uh, oh, I think one of my, my favorite things was during the, the Jean-Pierre Lafitte versus Scott Taylor match. I think Scott was kind of trying to actually wrestle and not mm-hmm. just job and they call him out on commentary and it was like who does he think he is Barry Horowitz <laughs> that one cracked me up <laughs> you know I think uh, I think one of my favorite things Not I talked with uh, PCO about this on, on our episode and also mm-hmm. everybody go check that out he, he's a fascinating individual and he was so kind please go check out our interview with PCO uh, but, uh, you know, one of the, the more interesting things I, I noticed during that match with uh, him and Scott Taylor, uh, you know, the future Scotty Too Hottie, is that uh, they're trying to sort of, like, build Lafitte and give him just, like, a little bit more something, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the more interesting things they do is uh, Lafitte lays a flag over uh, Scott Taylor before he hits him with the cannonball. Right, and it's like right. a big like pirate flag that he lays over him. Uh, now, <laughs> one of the uh, 
some other things that were just kind of interesting is, uh, you know, we get one, two, three kid versus the Brooklyn brawler. And, uh, after the match, Jerry Lawler uses his Royal magistrator to draw a whole bunch of pimples on the one, two, three kid. And McMahon erases that with a big, like stride X pad because <laughs> synergy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we get Dean Douglas, uh, cutting a promo in favor of King Mabel, giving him a grade of NC, a new champion. And, uh, you know, at this point, we're promoting that uh, Dean Douglas is going to be critiquing matches live at SummerSlam. Like you mentioned, uh, Vince is going to be on American Online, and you can get ten whole free hours of internets. That's so uh, crazy. <laughs> that's crazy. It's so, such a good deal. So much internets. <laughs> Uh, we get uh, we get a uh, Isaac Yankum tease where like they call his office and it's just like the voicemail of Isaac Yankum. Mm. I think you even hear like drills and kids screaming in the background. Yes. Yeah. Horrible. Uh, very horrible. <laughs> it's not. I mean, if you don't like Dennis, this is not the month for you. Uh, so, you know, the reason Diesel and the British Bulldog uh, lose to men on a mission is because the British Bulldog just decimates Diesel. He turns on him. They're supposed to be partners. They're supposed to be buds. And nope, he, yep, gets, that, nope. he, gets, he gets that big Bulldog running power slam for his troubles. And now he's he's with Jim Cornette, right? He's with Jim Cornette. Uh, Bulldog said, you know, he's leaving the arena and they're trying to interview him like, why did you do that to Diesel, man? And he's mm-hmm. like, I can't comment, not yet. And uh, Cornette promises there's going to be more surprises for Big Daddy Cool. So we move on to SummerSlam, which is the uh, last WWF event, uh, excuse me, WWF event for August of 1995. Again, we covered that long form. Go check out uh, go check out our riff tracks for that event where you can listen to Leith and I talk about that. It's a lot of fun. We talked <laughs> about how Razor raids Leith's mom's closet. Yes. For his vests and many, many other fun things. So check out... <laughs> You get all sorts of just cool... Just whatever random crap comes to our heads. <laughs> That's right. Sometimes it's entertaining. Sometimes we call matches. It's it's a lot of fun. And you also... Talk about food often. <laughs> we, we do wind up talking a lot about food. I think a food lot of that... fashion. I don't yeah, know why. <laughs> those things are intrinsically tied to professional wrestling. And I contend that the roadie looks like a waiter at a steakhouse. <laughs> So, but uh, go check it out. And one of the other great things that you get when you listen to one of those uh, Rift Tracks episodes is you get all sorts of cool, fun trivia about the event, about numbers, uh, you know, the money figures associated with the event and, and the venue. Go check that out, everybody. But, uh, you know, let's talk a little bit about SummerSlam. Do we got any, any thoughts on SummerSlam? Barry Horowitz, yay! Barry Horowitz <laughs> getting a win on pay-per-view. So the, the results of SummerSlam are uh, we've got a singles match, Hakushi defeating the 1-2-3 kid. 
We've got a singles match, Hunter Hearst Helmsley defeating Bob Holly. A tag team match, the Smoking Guns, Bart and Billy Gunn, defeat the Blue Brothers. Uh, that's Jacob Blue and Eli Blue with Uncle Zebekiah. We've got a singles match with, uh, like you mentioned, Leif, Barry Horowitz defeating Skip with Sonny. We've got a singles match for the WWF Women's Championship. Again, a whole women's match. Uh, Bertha Faye with Harvey Whippleman defeats Alundra Blaze to win the WWF Women's Championship. Uh, we've got a singles casket match. The Undertaker with Paul Bearer defeating Kama with Ted DiBiase. Uh, a singles match, Bret Hart defeating Isaac Yankum, DDS, via DQ. Uh, we've got a singles ladder match, uh, you know, like uh, Nick alluded to, Shawn Michaels defeating Razor Ramon to retain the WWF Intercontinental Championship. And the main event of SummerSlam of 1995 in a singles match, Diesel defeating King Mabel with Sir Moe to retain the WWF Championship. Uh, so, again, any any thoughts on this? In all in all, it was a pretty entertaining event. I mean, so many of our the pay-per-views we have to watch are just so bad. Not great. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of like... There, there is enough good in this one that it was. I would say it's worth seeing. It's watchable. It's serviceable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's w- worth it for the 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 ladder match. Um, for me personally, anything with Hakushi. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, Barry Horowitz winning. He's like the ultimate ultimate underdog. Yeah. He's even more of an underdog than Daniel Bryan was. Yeah, it's fair. That's uh, that's a really good point. Uh, some of the notes that I've got on this, the uh, intro for SummerSlam. Sa- like, it's clear that it's Todd Pettengill doing mm-hmm. the intro, but he's all gruff, like he's trying to put on his big boy voice. Uh, you know, we uh, get uh, Dean Douglas again, you know, like we talked about, he's going to be critiquing matches throughout this event. Uh, we uh, One of the things I noticed during the Hunter Hearst Helmsley Bob Spark Plug Holly match is there were a lot of women who were excited to see Triple H take his shirt off. <laughs> so for for those of us uh, for those of you listening, uh, you know, at this point Hunter Hearst Helmsley his whole gimmick is he's the American blue blood. So part of his uh, shtick is he comes down to the ring and he's got like a fancy white shirt slash blouse you know, something uh, that you would maybe wear with, like, a tux, something along those lines. I think even sometimes he wears, like, a uh, suit jacket with it. He comes down to the ring, and he uh, takes all of this stuff off. He does so very, you know, of course, very delicately, right? But uh, he's doing this at SummerSlam, and you can hear there's just, like, this swath of sound of, you know, female excitement as Triple H has taken his shirt off. <laughs> So I just I, I thought uh, I thought that was funny, uh, just just kind of interesting. Yeah, it, it seems especially like, we we always talk about like the men reacting to to women's wrestlers in inappropriate ways, but honestly, the women are just as bad. <laughs> especially in like this era, like you see anytime like Alex Wright comes out or mm-hmm. HBK or like any of those guys. There's like a oh level of of losing your sugar. That happens. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, like, that's that's not to say I, I don't get it. I mean, these are uh, 
arguably good-looking people, right? And they're mm-hmm. out there, I mean, most of the time they're half-naked, right? So I can kind of understand, like, why people would let their emotions get the better of them. <laughs> like Emotions, hormones, whatever you want Yeah, I mean, <laughs> six of one, half a dozen of the other. Uh, it's it's all pretty funny. Yeah, funny when it's harmless. Yeah, when it's they're harmless. not they're not groping at people or anything. <laughs> not yet, they're not. <laughs> it's still early. It's still only 1995. Uh so, uh, getting back to uh, the event, you know, we got uh, Barry Horowitz, like we talked about. Hakushi's making a little bit of a face turn here, because he <laughs> actually helps uh, Barry Horowitz get the win. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, you know, I have it noted here that Bertha Fay is real talented. And it's just kind of a, a shame that, uh, you know, again, uh, she was uh, saddled with such a bad gimmick. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's just, it, it's, it, it's very bittersweet watching her matches here. I mean, it's hard, but it's like, if you're... If you're that next level of good, you're going to take a bad gimmick and make it work. Yeah. I and mean, look at Dusty Rhodes with the Absolutely. stupid polka dots and everything. Like, he just owned it. He made it, it work, daddy. <laughs> you got you to gotta make like, it work. He's, like, the best example of, like, getting, like, just crap gimmick, crap everything, and just making it work for him and getting as over as ever. We're going we gonna to make those polka dots jive, daddy. That's <laughs> what we're going to do. Uh... <laughs> So, uh, you know, one of the uh, other interesting things here is that, uh, you know, they're talking about how, uh, I think this is a Paul Bearer promo, or this uh, this is just some sort of, something that's kind of off the cuff on commentary, but uh, during, uh, or before the uh, Undertaker, comma, casket match, they talk about Undertaker having to reach out to his creatures of the night, you know, his uh, those goth fans we talked about, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, to sort of draw his dark powers from in the absence of his urn. So I thought that was just kind of really, like, an, an interesting wrinkle into the sort of, like, explanation behind, like, where the Undertaker draws his power from. Right. Uh, and Taker's one of the more interesting and in-depth characters in the WWE. Yeah. Especially during this time when oh, yeah, everybody's absolutely. gimmick is so, like... I don't know. It's like there's so many just very generic yeah. characters that don't really have much depth. Mm-hmm. But that's probably why Taker was as popular as he was, is he just had this whole Mystery. wealth of, like, storyline behind him. Yeah, there's... I mean... It's it's completely different than anything else that's around, right? Mm-hmm. A- at that time. And, and I know, like for me as a kid, he drew me in because I loved, loved, loved horror movies. Yeah. At a very, very young age, and I just saw him was like instantly like this guy is amazing. He's like wearing <laughs> my favorite color, and he's all like creepy, and it's just like this is my favorite, like immediately. <laughs> Yeah, and and you know the the thing about it is one of the things about the Undertaker that kind of helped him as far as getting over, I think, is the fact that kind of almost immediately he was put in with top guys. 
mm-hmm. and that there was a level of seriousness that was applied to the character. Like, right. There was never any doubt that, oh no, this dude's got super crazy, weird, dark magic about him. Mm-hmm. You know, and the fact... Yeah, and it, it's like, I don't know, it's like interesting that they can take like... Like, he's not over the top with any of his stuff. Like, he has yeah. Paul Bearer to kind of give a little bit of that. To be kind of a like, mouthpiece. Yeah, so it's like he's like... He can just be Undertaker. Like, I don't know. Like, some of the other characters just... Like, you see, like, you know, like, Double J and characters like that that are just so, like, obnoxious. Yeah. (laughs) And, like, almost, like, very, very cartoonish. But, like, Taker had a little bit of that, but not to that same extent. Like, he was much more serious. Yeah. It's a really hard, weird line to walk. Because, I mean, you look at something... Like, uh, you know, again, like Jean-Pierre Lafitte, right? Mm-hmm. Like, is a pirate really all that uh, all that more different than what The Undertaker was supposed to be? The sort of, like, weird, undead cowboy. And but. it's, like, it's interesting because, like, I was, I was talking about this because we were watching Evolution. Mm-hmm. Like, you have Kyrie Sane, who's also a pirate. <laughs> and, but that gimmick, like, totally works for her. Like, she feels like she just, like, jumped out of a game like Soul Calibur or something, yeah. you know? And it's just like like just like this video game character come to life, and it totally totally works. But then with Jean Pierre Lafitte, I'm like he was also a pirate, but for some reason it just it I don't know. There's just something some disconnect. <laughs> I, I think what it was is it was a a case of the wrong thing at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. Like if he had come in a few years earlier, at the same time as the Undertaker's. Is, no doubt that it would be over. And, right. And B, I think it was also just a case of, like, not having the right creative forces behind it. Yeah, because I feel like, like he doesn't have as much... He doesn't have that depth. Yeah. Because of, of, like, story and character, because it's, like... Like, we know he's a pirate, but, like, what really, like, tells that story? <laughs> yeah, like, they're, they, they aren't, at this point, doing... I mean, other than some of... Like, we talked about those uh, highlights during that Scott Taylor match, they're not really doing, they're not really giving us anything to sort of care about this person as a character, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, uh, the, the Undertaker, you know, just kind of using that as our, our as our baseline for, like, uh, weird, dark characters, right? Like, mm-hmm. the Undertaker, kind of right from the get-go, he's brought in. Who is this guy, right? We don't know. He's He's weird, he's dark, he's pale, he might be dead. He's doing a funeral parlor segment and building coffins, and people are, like, legit scared of him. And they're building stories around that, right? Right. Whereas, again, like, using someone like Jean-Pierre Lafitte or, or some of these other characters like that, they're not really building those stories around that. Like, yeah, or even, like, Waylon Mercy, who's just, like, you got, like, a couple vignettes to let you know that he's going to be this, like... Weird Cape Fear esque, like yeah. creepy dude, but it wasn't like there wasn't enough there to like really like get a feel mm. for what we we're what we were seeing. Yeah, and yeah. part of it's that I mean, part of it's going to be delivery too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, part of it's delivery. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different wheels so turning. It's it's hard to portray a character if you 
if it's so disconnected from yourself that you can't find common ground with it, too. Yeah. Yeah, there's got to be something that kind of connects you, the person, and you, the character. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's just even basics of, like, acting and stuff like that, too. It's, oh, yeah. I mean, they're, they're in similar a similar vein. Yeah, a- absolutely. So, do we got any any other thoughts on the WWF August of 1995? No, I think I think we covered pretty much everything I was really hoping to. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, cool. So, folks, uh, we're going to see you on the other side of this with our part two episode, where we're going to cover WCW and ECW. So make sure to check out uh, August of 1995, Part 2. Uh, Leith, where can people find you on the Internet? I am at pariah underscore lane on Twitter. Um, and Leith underscore gray on Instagram. And you also have, like, a new toy blog on Instagram. Oh, yes. <laughs> Dinosaur underscore toy underscore adventure. Very cool. I, I don't get to update it as often, but basically if I get to go out and about in the, the real world, I, I have toy dinosaurs that I bring with me. <laughs> and I, I take pictures of their little adventures. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very cool. Uh, you can check the show out on Twitter. You can follow the show at the Wrestling Time Machine Podcast on Twitter. The actual at is at W-R-E-S-T-L-T-I-M-M-A-C-H. You can also follow the Wrestling Time Machine on Tumblr. Check out the other great shows that we do, Nerdfix Strangers and Pokemon Mind and Body at nerdfixstrangers.com forward slash listen. Don't forget, uh, you can email the show at the wrestling time machine at gmail.com and we'll read your emails live on the show. Also, please don't forget to check out our Kofi. Uh, you can go to Kofi.com forward slash the wrestling time machine. Uh, if you like what we do, you can help support the show. Another great free way to support the show is to leave us a review on iTunes. That helps uh, helps our visibility, helps other people find us. So please uh, consider helping support the show. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at SpaceKingBobby, on Tumblr at SpaceKingBobby's blog, and at SpaceKingComics. And I think with that, I think, uh, well, actually, don't forget to check out AvetMakesThings.com for all sorts of cool wrestle buddies, jewelry, comics, dream catchers, badges, all sorts of great nerdy things. And everybody, guess what? It's almost November when we're recording this. The holidays are coming up. Do you need you some nerdy stockings? Uh, you bet you do. So go check out A Vet Makes Things for some nerdy stockings. And, uh, you know, all of those things also make great gifts. I bet if you're listening to this, you or someone you love and care about probably has a favorite wrestler. And you can get them immortalized in a custom wrestle buddy. So check out AvetMakesThings.com for that. And I think with that, I think we can call it part one of a show. Hooray! <laughs> Hooray! Bye, everybody. Yeah. <laughs>